You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. What do you think of when you hear the word contentment? What's the idea, the feeling, like really hone in on that. When you hear contentment, what does that mean to you? That is exactly the question that was posed to me today um, in a silent way, like a little nugget from the Holy Spirit when, during my little quiet time, if you will. And I have never, just a really unveiled moment real quick, I have never felt this content in such a profound way. I've had moments and glimpses and seasons and what have you, but this is almost like walking into a knowing. It's almost like you you know that time between like teenagehood and early 20s maybe when you still are half kid, half adult, and then something happened on your way to journeying into adulthood where you shed some things that really proves you are no longer a child or you grown in your way of thinking, like you reached a level of maturity and you can't really pinpoint when exactly it took place or what coordinates it, it, it developed in or what particular things came into your path to actually spark that change. But you just realize, oh my gosh, I don't think that way no more. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> care what people think about me I don't care if you don't like this outfit I do listen you want to wear heels that's cool but I like sneakers okay but you know what I'm no longer trying to be in environments that I don't like to be in just because y'all call it fun if I don't deem it fun I don't want to go hey listen I'm no longer making any excuses on why I'm not showing up no more you know I'm gonna be courteous but I'm not going (laughs) and if I do go I'm not staying longer than I want to stay like you ever was like oh my gosh I Five five years ago, Mm-mm. you I wouldn't have never talked to such and such. Like I I, I the audacity. I, I wish that situation would happen now. Like literally, try me now, kind of thing, right? And you just realize, I've grown. I I've actually matured. And if someone was to ask you when, like when did it happen, it it would be very difficult to trace. But there is a knowing. And that, no, (laughs) yeah, I I may be able to pick up the circumstance, but I can't tell you the hour or when that switch finally came on. But I can tell you what, it's never going to shut back off again. And that's exactly how I feel about contentment. Now, I know the Bible, and, and I've always stayed true to this particular verse. This verse, funny story behind it years ago years ago and one of the first few churches that I committed to in New York in my adulthood I remember going to one of the deacons he was one of the most awesome people ever and I forgot the question that I asked him but he definitely rebutted and let me know that once I read first Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 then I will understand the true meaning of life And it is ironic to me that decades, eons, if you will, later, I think I finally am eating from the fruit from the seed that he planted then. You know, I read in the NLT version, right? So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Actually, nope, let me go ahead and do that. Do that again. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 6, so one six six, 
It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Now, I had no idea what that meant in the season that I was in at life. I was new. I was immature. I was new in my adulthood. I was new in my thinking. In actuality, I was a baby in Christ. There was a lot of newness there. But oh my goodness, let me just go ahead and break this down to the elemental P. Let's just go ahead and just define what the world deems as contentment. So the new Oxford American Dictionary and the bishops over there define contentment as a state of happiness and satisfaction. You know what I finally realized? Contentment is not gaining everything you want. It's becoming everything you were supposed to be. I wish that younger me really understood that. I thought it was obtaining a certain career status. I thought it was getting whatever monetary tangible item, big ticket, car, apartment, whatever. I thought it was tax bracket. I thought it was relationship. I thought it was, I had all these external examples and I had no clue that contentment was something way different. And what I honed in on, just taking that a step further, I didn't realize that contentment meant losing. Now, I know you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That doesn't make any sense just now because you just read. Yes, you. You just said that contentment over from the New Oxford American Dictionary bishops and the the good uh, ministry over there. You just said that they something about happiness and satisfaction. It's a state of happiness and satisfaction. Yet you're going to let me know that I need to be losing something. Hear me out and don't hang up. This is why we have these conversations contentment will always require for you to lose lose and that's a question I want to pose with you how comfortable are you with losing you don't know not losing competitively not like listen I really like my team and I don't like when they losing so if you are going to equate my favorite team losing to me being content then guess what I don't want to be content and that's okay but that's not what I'm referring to are you comfortable with losing control Are you comfortable with knowing something has to happen for the greater good, but it's never going to look like the way that you wanted it to look like? Isn't that exactly what Peter struggled with that time that Jesus was going to go ahead and get taken? Right? You don't remember? Okay, quick. Let's go to Matthew 16 real quick. And let's go ahead and start at verse, let's just do 21, because that's when Jesus predicts his death, right? Let's just jump right into it. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. 22, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's, not from God's. 
You are merely seeing things from a human point of view, not from God's. You are merely seeing things the way that you want it to go, but you have no idea that you are holding on to the wrong thing. You have no idea that your inability to lose control is actually binding God's plan for your life, God's plan for this particular season, God's plan for this particular particular circumstance and what you're doing is you're holding on and you're gripping barbed wire and God is like you don't understand that winning requires for you to lose control isn't that what happened with Moses's mother she put that baby in that basket with the tar and all the other things to let it flow and she she did what she pushed no control over that situation literally pushing her with her hands using her faith and just having it where it, it can only happen God's way I came face to face with that when it was time to make that really difficult decision on do I send my daughter out to the schools to actually be taught or do I let her remote learn and you know what my control said no she will be at the home she will be safe because of all the COVID-19 and this that and the third and you know what there was a suffering in that. It was hard to maintain. It was hard to keep her on track. I felt like I had to do school all over again. It was a inconvenience on everyone's part. And it was all because I wanted it to go my way. I wanted for my daughter to go ahead and stay home because. And while on the surface, there's nothing wrong with that, except that I never checked in with God to see what would be the best learning tool for her. I could have easily told God, my desire is that I want my child to be home. But underneath that, the foundation was my desire was I didn't want my child to be sick. So why didn't I go to God and say, here's my concern. But you know what? I'm going to give my daughter's learning and educational realm all things academic. I'm going to place it in your lap, God. And you are going to tell me the best thing to do. Because if you gave me this child, you gave me instructions with this child. And I am not going to parent in fear because I know that that ultimately she's my daughter, but we're your family. That is what I wish I would have done. But instead, I'm reprimanding and punishing, and you better do, and how come you're not getting? And when I actually just said, you know what? I no longer want to have this control. Oh, my goodness, the turnaround. Oh, my goodness. Do you feel like that sometimes with your goal chasing? That you're like, I'm trying to apply for all these jobs and nobody's calling me back and it feels like I'm overqualified or it feels like I'm not qualified enough and you're getting irritated because you're trying to chase something. You're trying to go ahead and do the entrepreneur lane. You're trying to go ahead and force this dream to manifest in the name or with your strength because you're smart enough and you have all the networking and you have the accolades and for some reason it's really not going the way that you thought. Why is that? It's because everything that I ever read in the Bible, every faith move always looked like let go. Peter literally, when he was in the boats with the disciples, he had to look out at Jesus on the water while everyone else is screaming ghost and being afraid he had to literally lose his ideology of gravity and his hum human way of thinking to say I believe that I can walk on water if that's Jesus you know what 
God, if, if that's you, Jesus, real quick, if that's you, uh, call me out. Jesus said one word, come. He had to swap that thinking. Do you know how humanly impossible? And, and don't be super spiritual. Think about that. That will be the equivalent of you seeing you just going outside one day and just minding your business. It's, you know, maybe your morning walk or what have you. And you seeing someone fly. And you're like, what? People don't fly? You don't have no wings, no jetpack, no. Bro, what are you? I'm sorry. Jesus? Mm-hmm. Okay. If that's you, tell me to fly with you. Come. You would literally have to lose all analytical, every piece of logic to say, I know what the world says people can't do, but I know that I can do something amazing if I get with the one that the world was created through. There is something that surpasses all understanding when you lose all peace of control. Every last bit of it. Losing control. Contentment means losing. You know what else you're going to have to lose if you want contentment? Uh, you're going to have to lose unhealthy connections. Mm -hmm. I do apologize. I I really don't understand and maybe it's just because what's natural to me I have to remind myself it's a difficulty for others uh and I was just having this conversation I was like you know I'm sure the first time that someone probably heard Beyonce humming or hitting a note it was like you did that with ease and they tried to go probably back in their car or you know at, at their home and try to hit that note and it was like mm -mm. didn't we see that with the Deborah Cox challenge no 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 when people were trying to hit that you were like Mm -mm. yeah it's no but it's not the way that she sung it uh I don't think that that's for you so what comes naturally to you please have the grace the mercy and the patience with other people to say I'm not going to hold you to such a high standard because what's natural to me isn't your norm yeah what comes easy to me isn't easy for you so I'm going to have a grace with that because what you don't know is the things you are uh, struggling in comes way easy for someone else so if you want that grace to be shown to you okay great I want you to go ahead and show that grace to someone else so I'm saying all that to say I uh, am, am very good at uh, canceling unhealthy connections hmm yeah not interested at all. Uh, and that may come from the fact that I've had a lot of unhealthy connections. And now I've just become very uh, expert level in just saying, oh, we cutting this from the umbilical cord. I'm, I'm pulling this from the root. No, we're not going to just shave it and trim it and so that it looks a little nicer. No, no, no. I will uproot anything that is disrupting my soil. Anything. And I believe that when it went all the way back to Abraham and Sarai, when God told Abraham, listen, I want you to leave from your father's house. That is the moment that I understood that if God's going to do something incredible to you and through you, sometimes he has to remove you from familiar locations. And it hurts me, pains me to the elemental P that there are people who will hold on to relationships 
You will hold on to that relationship because you put all them years into it and you don't want to be embarrassed. And what if people and, and, and just the whatever negative connotation that you feel will be associated with it, you will stay around said family member because of the benefit that they bring to you, but you don't really see the, the disadvantage that they also bring to you. Yeah, they may have that particular, they're handy, they have that financial gain, they have this, that, and the third, but wh- how do you feel when you're in connection with them? Like, is your soil feeling like you know what this is fertile ground or do you feel like someone like hard as a rock somebody needs to put some water and go ahead and and make you softer again make you more fertile and and make it more fruitful because the people that you're in connection to is hardening what God is trying to plant in you cannot have it that external environments literally zap the nutrients out of the very place that God is trying to grow you in the people pleasing, the family members, the intimate relationships, the friendships. If you feel in any part of your being that it is a, even a smickle, an iota of God trying to nudge you and say, it's time to release. I want you to know that you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you are not listening to that. In no way, shape, or form is God asking you to remove something that he feels is going to better you. So many times we have this thing in our mind that it's like, yeah, but that person helps me with this. Or, you know, I get some of my greatest ideas being with, but, you know, that person is more business-minded like me. And and you already put this person in a important VIP status in your life and you're like but if I remove them from VIP I will be lost in this thing called world I, I I will I will like a benefit if they're not there I would and it's almost like I'm sorry do you think that God would have placed this one person in your life also connected them to some form of toxicity let you know hey I don't want you in connection to them because it's kind of perverting where I want to take you and then have it where I you remove them so Mm, we're not going to the rest of your path would just be a question mark and yeah sorry about that no God is going to align any and everything that you need it doesn't come in one person it's not in just one uniform and if you think that God is limited to just one person and one way of doing it then you think too small of your savior you think too small of your creator it's never going to be just one way. If that's the case, he didn't need Noah to build that ark. He didn't need him. Because you know what? Ah, everything was banking on Adam and Eve. Ah, well, <laughs> you know, nothing else to see here, folks. Like I, One and done. I tried it. No, it was like if I can go ahead and take a little bit of this. You know what, Noah? Come here real quick. Build this ark. Let's do this again. Okay, y'all still not getting it? Okay, quick. Jesus, listen, my one. It, it's been real. We had some good times. We really did. No, it's not goodbyes. I'll see you later. I need you to go down and do that whole thing through Mary and all that because, like, I, I, they need someone to save them, and I built them to have relationships with me and even though I, I planted you know this great paradise in Eden they didn't really get it there they're not really getting it in the second world either so you know what let's go ahead and do this again because my goal and my purpose doesn't stop because people don't get it I'm gonna keep doing this thing until somebody gets it the way that I see it my purpose will be perfected period stop thinking so small of God lose those unhealthy connections 
Be brave enough to say, I will lose what doesn't benefit me because God was he was big enough to say, you got to catch this. This just came into my mind just now. God was big enough to say, I will lose the connection temporarily with Jesus that is meaningful just so that I can get the connection with you on the back end. Jesus was a meaningful connection and he was willing to lose that for the greater good. But yet you're not willing to lose the the temporal or permanent connection to somebody who's toxic to your call and your walk in life. You know, that doesn't make any sense, right? No, I'm not even I was going to drive it home. But do you understand that? Lose the unhealthy connection, sir, ma'am. Also loosing your grip. Have you ever, on any of the streets you've been walking down or driving through, have you ever seen that the driver is driving and then there's a passenger either to the right or the back back passenger with their hand on the wheel and they're driving with? No, you've never seen that? Why? Because it's dangerous, right? Isn't that what happened with Jonah? That time that God was like, Jonah, real quick, I need you to go ahead to the people of Nip. He was like, nope. <laughs> won't be doing that sir I know you tried to drive that way but I'm going er, recalculate and I'm coming this way and uh yeah we're gonna go ahead and then what did that recalculation do for Jonah what did him trying to say God I know your GPS for me but let me just do 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 let me go ahead and just change that whole thing yeah I know that you're all knowing your old being you know your alpha your omega like I get all that but um I'm gonna recalculate and put in my own, own coordinates what did that do for Jonah it was a waste of time what did that do for, do for Jonah did he gain anything no he had to sit somewhere in solitude that was smelly and probably disgustingly gross and had to go ahead and sit and just think about why are you running from God's coordinates? Why are you running from the fact that, yes, he wants you to have that end goal, but you got to do it in the way that he wants you to do it. Like it is the details that God sees that he can trust you. It is the details that he can see, okay, your faith is growing. It is the details that shape you into the perfected thing that God has. He can snap his fingers and go already have you at the end result, but it's not about the arc. It's if you will listen to the way that I said, I want the cubics to be this way. I want the golf of wood I want the window to be here will you listen to me in the minute details will you listen to me when it gets tedious will you continue to follow me because if I have your attention in the details then I know that when you get on the stage for graduation and I give you your end goal that you will always have your eyes fixed on me God is in it for the long haul this microwave society, this microwave blessing is never going to be as nutritious as what God has for you. It's never lose your grip. It never works in your favor. It's always going to be either a waste of time or fatal to the plan that God has for you. Do you understand that? What else is contentment going to mean? Contentment is going to mean that you're going to have to lose all toxic ideologies and mindsets. I'm talking about every last piece of it. I actually just shed this one. And this was a new revelation for me. I'm just going to be completely unveiled. 
I had this ideology because I'm from New York. I came to the South. This is, you know, I've worked in New York, was born and raised, right, here, and came to the South. And when I say that it is night and day, it is like, wow. So I had adopted this mindset of I feel like an alien. And you may have even heard me saying in some of our conversations, you remember, especially when I was struggling with the last location, I'm like, oh, my God, I I feel like an alien. And then God had me turn that around to, no, 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 it's your superpower. Like, I had to shed that because had I hold on to that particular, or if I held on to that particular mindset, it would have slowly isolated me to a place that God never wanted me to be and that is the enemy's prominent goal it is always to isolate you it is always to have you revert back become small thinking become small acting you know if you were just a little bit less of and if you just shove a few other people away it's always that type of mentality that you can rest assured is not from God because God is very about community and corporate learning and corporate being and the body of Christ why would he call us the body of Christ if he just wanted you to focus on being that one thumb and that's it and don't worry about nothing else as a thumb you have no business worrying about the pinky toe mind your business you know no the body should be concerned with the body right so any toxic mindsets that make you think of anything less than I have got to lose anything that tries to isolate me. I need you to do that quick, fast, in a hurry. You know, And it's not even an ideology. It's not even a, oh, yeah, that's a good mindset to have. It's actually biblical. Okay? I'll go ahead and prove it to you. Romans. Hmm? Yep. You remember that one time in Romans 12? That it actually says, and I'll go ahead and read it for you. You know, I read in the NLT version, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Listen, if he can't change your way of thinking then certainly you can't and the way of thinking is so powerful because the way that you think is the way that your life will be directed that's why all the renewing of your mind is just super important that's why Eve tripped up in the in the garden right Because the serpent was able to change the way that she thought about the tree that God gave her direction on. That's why salvation is so important, right? Because if you confess it with your mouth and you believe in your heart, that really takes for you to shape with the fact that, no, I believe what it is that I'm saying. You ever thought something? or had a great idea, and you were excited about something, and you gave that information to the wrong person, and then once they said something out of their mouth, it's almost like they took the wind out of your sail, and you were just like, I wish I never brought this to you. I wish I never had this conversation with you, because now you got me questioning and feeling indifferent about the one thing that I was excited about, the one thing that I can actually confirm that I really do feel like God gave me that. And then now that I'm talking to you, You got me questioning, how are people able to have power enough to go ahead and reform what you're thinking? And it's because the way that you think, the mindset is a platform for spiritual warfare. 
You have got to make sure that you are clear on how you think and that you release anything that doesn't align with how God wants you to think. And how that sometimes requires for you to be quiet about things that you're excited about. Not secretive. Wisdom. Start asking God, who do I talk to about this? God, go ahead and give me the person that I can speak on. You ever notice that when Jesus was moving and going into places and, and praying or doing certain things, he didn't take all the disciples. He only had about maybe two or three at most. And it's because not everybody can go with you, but not everybody is equipped to understand where you're going. And that's okay. Sometimes we explain stuff to people and we're like, you just don't get it. And you're not excited about that. And I said it a long time ago. Stop giving people the burden to fill your contractions. They're not pregnant with what God gave them. They're not pregnant with what God gave you. So why would they fill your contraction? Don't, get, don't put people in that predicament. You see what I'm saying? And I truly, truly feel like at the end of this conversation, you're going to truly understand, oh, my goodness, contentment requires that I lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet you didn't see it the way that you, you didn't see it before we started going ahead and talking, right? But I'm going to go ahead and bring this home. Watch this real quick. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And that ties it back to what I said to you in the beginning of this conversation. Contentment is not about gaining everything that you want. It's about becoming everything you were supposed to be. Please don't get to a certain point in your career, a certain point in your life, at a certain age and a season where you start to realize it's not money. It's not a, a tax bracket is not a tangible item. It's not the big house. It's not the flashy car. It's do I feel in my being a confirmation that I am becoming and that I am assured on my way to the very thing that God wants me to be. You have no idea what being planted on purpose feels like. Let me just give you a, a, a snapshot let me just give you the postcard to the island that God is trying to give you. There are ideas that spew from you when you are where you're planted. There is a, a flowing. There's an excitement. There is a when you are positioned where God planted you, there is a fruitfulness that you're like, oh, my goodness. Why didn't I feel that at any other job? Why didn't I feel that in any other relationship? Why didn't I feel that in any other residence? And it's because when you are planted with God, it's an automatic seed that is going to bear fruit. It is going to bear fruit. 
Not that it's perfection, not that it's always, you know, a a high, but that you feel purposed and you are your best being when you are purposed. And when you are purposed, there are things that come out of you that you're like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm juiced up. I'm having all these ideas and I'm like, I'm creative now and I'm, ooh, you know what? And I'm finally being heard and it's making me want to go ahead and start thinking more in that realm and you're tapping into your sweet spot now and it's like, oh my God. Gosh, and it's because the very imprint God put on you, you're finally putting, you're finally pushing on your imprint in the places that God painted you. Like, do you get that? Before you had your hands in your pocket, now you're touching the canvas that God put in front of you. And you're like, ooh, I, I like that. Well, keep doing it. Keep painting. Keep doing that thing. That's where you get contentment. That's when you you can go ahead and sit in your car or go back home to your residence and look back and say, oh, my gosh, I'm doing it. I'm becoming it. I no longer have to just dream it. I'm manifesting it. I'm praying on it. I'm receiving it. And I feel, God, I feel like you're with me. And oh my, God, what am I, am I tithing more? Am I, what am I doing that's making me feel like I'm disconnected to you, that I'm disconnected to my purpose? What is happening, God? And you did nothing but tap into contentment. Contentment means losing, though. Are you ready for it? And that's my challenge for you today. How comfortable are you with losing? And I'm going to just say, lie, let it rest right there. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everyone is going to have with you. You know your favorite homegirl is going to chin-check you and make you say, you know what? (laughs) I know what I have to do. Because I know that when I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is speaking through me. And although you hear my tone, you hear God's voice. And so I need you to react on that. I need you to do what needs to be done so that you can experience a life you never had. Do you understand that? I feel like the preacher that wants to hoop and holler, but I, I, I need this to penetrate all the things that's making you lose. And I need it to break it in its nucleus, not its shell, its nucleus, so we can go ahead and start to birth something different. Do you get that? I pray you do. Matter of fact, I'm, I know you do. But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Because I know that God put something on your heart that you need to go ahead and start doing. And I'm not even going to be in the midst of that. I'm not going, you ain't going to get me in trouble by God. So go ahead. I will call you back later. We'll talk again. Okay. All right. Later.